I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. I don't think I've ever said this before on the podcast, but you are probably the first person I would refer to as like world-renowned for the work that you do. And truly like one of the best experts in the world when I think about yoni massage when I think about shibari when I think about BDSM education the dominatrix world and doing all of this with such intentionality and with such depth and with such wisdom and with such grace and I'm like personally so excited because my favorite topics in the world are how women can feel more comfortable and more confident and or magnetic in their bodies and in their skin and sex. So <laughs> I'm like so excited. So Brina, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for honoring me like that. It's so special. Oh my gosh, I could that could be the whole podcast. <laughs> truly. So if you're tuning in, Rena, and you don't you haven't listened to her podcast yet, The Happy Place, or you don't follow her online, Rena is a BDSM educator. She's a former top dominatrix in New York City. She's a Tantra teacher, Yoni massage practitioner, Shibari artist. And basically what you do is create safe spaces for people to fall apart, which I love. And you do that. You call yourself a vulnerability guide and really help people find the strength in their most vulnerable spaces so that they can be more of themselves, all of themselves. And I think that's really what you do and it's what you accomplish. So I'm so excited. Thank you. I can see that the importance of topic is there. I can see it for all of us. How often in life we don't feel appreciated in our tender, vulnerable places. How society praises the heroism, the achievement, being strong, being cool, getting somewhere. But the moments of vulnerability are mocked and overlooked and now not appreciated. So we don't feel safe. We don't feel honored there. So I do feel a lot of passion for that, for my personal life, and also for bringing it to others. Mm. So tell me a little bit about your story. You can start wherever you want, but like really what led you here today, visiting New York, sitting on a couch with me? No, oh, it's a long story. Let's see where to start. Uh, what brought me to New York? Uh, this time it was the Femdom Mentorship. I love sharing with women the art of domination, and they can take it in so many directions. It doesn't mean that they will be classic mistresses with a weeping leather. They can take it in so many creative directions, and I love to share with women different possibilities. And I want to help them to find their own expression, their own style, their own confidence, embody these archetypes of women that are often too scary, too intense, too muddy. So um, there is an amazing femdom apprentice I have this day. So um, I came to New York to see her, to train her. And because we've been working together for a while with you, I just got to wait to see you. And here we are. <laughs> mm. Why do people typically come to you, women, we'll say, for 
femdom mentorship? Like, is there a theme that people are feeling mm-hmm. that they're wanting access to some certain type of power? Some, and yeah. also how does vulnerability tie into that? Some, a lot of women want to feel power and escape from that good girl mentality of just trying to please everyone, trying to be nice, smiling, being soft, sweet and feminine. It's all great. And yet it just becomes such a big part of identity. They lose connection with their power, just focusing so much on being nice. And I can see that desire of bad girl to come through. I can completely relate. I was raised myself to be a good girl, to be shy, to be obedient, to make sure everyone around me is pleased and happy. And there was a point that I just got so burned out from that. There was a sense that I'm not respecting myself anymore and others are not respecting me anymore. And I'm still trying to be nice so others can love me back in return and they wouldn't love me. And I'm seeing it a lot around and a lot of women who come to me, they want to also break free from that. They feel there is something missing in life. There is a sense of being afraid of their darker sides, being afraid of embodying their power and being afraid of being inappropriate, being afraid of being naughty, being afraid of being open about their sexuality and fantasies. So, um, yeah, that's quite a common theme. What do you think is the biggest misconception around women who are in the dom space? Well, that doms are either just plain prostitutes or that they're being, they're like nasty bitches, basically. <laughs> that's what I was curious <laughs> about because the very stereotypical yeah. scene that I get is like really like mad, like angry, like almost like they hate men and that's why they would go in to like torture them and do all these things and they're angry and upset so i'm curious like is that the case for some people was that the case for you like how do you see that playing in or is that totally just a complete misconception i can see there is a part of it that can be true of course it depends on the situation if, especially if someone who had like a lot of trauma around men and someone gets in that space. So it's totally understandable that you then you come from a place of needing to take revenge, like to, okay, like before you were abusing me and now I'm going to abuse you. So it's definitely there. And this is why I'm advocating for more conscious BDSM for exploring why you want to do it. Okay, you want to dominate. Why do you want to dominate? Yeah. Or you want to submit. Why do you want to submit? Is it because you just hate yourself so much and you just want to be punished and you feel guilty and you want to be punished or there is something more. So it's interesting to be radically honest and to find the truth of why you're doing it because that really sets you free. Like once you see that truth, you're no longer owned by that truth and you go to the next level. And I definitely caught myself initially when I just started doming, there was a place in me that just wanted to kind of let that sadism out and to take my power back, but not in the most kind way. It was a lot of wounds around men because I grew up in a place where uh, men were quite powerful and women felt helpless. And there was definitely that playing out. So it took me some time in my healing journey to be able to confess that, to admit that. But once I did it, I didn't feel like it was the case anymore. Just admitting and seeing that was enough. So I went to the next level and that was a whole different story. So I feel like this radical truth really sets us free and we go to the next level and 
there is nothing wrong about admitting that you are not doing something from a pure place because then you are free to do it differently. Then you have power to change it. Mm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, because when I was telling friends that I was having you on the podcast and telling friends that I've been working with you, so many women express this desire like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to be a dom. Sounds so amazing. And it's, yeah, it's, I'm very curious about even in myself, like what is that curiosity to dominate, like especially men? And I think if I'm really honest with myself, I would say there's definitely, yeah, a threat of like really taking it out on the patriarchy. Like I, especially with launching this podcast and just learning so much about our medical system and our financial system and our school system and how it's really all designed for men to thrive in this country and in this world, I like find myself in fits of rage and sadness and mourning. And I think it would be kind of amazing to like take that out, not on somebody in like an abusive way, but in a like true paradigm shift of like me owning yeah. every ounce of power just for a moment like for a second and I'm curious like how has that shaped your experience in like with your dynamic with working with men shifting from mentorship how has that shaped your experience in just like looking at men in general so like these men that come to you they're not I think when people imagine men coming for dom work people think like I don't I would think not top businessmen, attorneys, CEOs, but that was your clientele here. So I'm really curious, like, how did that shift how you just see men in general, if it did at all? Yeah, it's because it's so easy to judge men superficially when you just, in, the, in this kind of situation where you feel neglected, abuse, when men are the world, like you said, is shaped for men. Um, but once you start working individually, you see how tender they are, actually. How when you see them cry, when you see them confess things, it's you see that, wow, but we are together in it. They are not just against us. They are not just arrogant and just don't care. Like, there is a lot of care and there is a lot of fears. There is a lot of tenderness there. So you start seeing that they also come to that place from from guilt, for example. Like, a lot of men come to doms because there is some guilt in them. And uh, they want to kind of feel better by being somehow punished or humiliated. Or they're just tired of having so much control on their shoulders. They just want to drop it and feel there is this empowerment through just dropping everything. Like feel they have power in a different way. Like they're just being taken care of and there is nothing they need to do. And someone tells them what to do. They're given exact commands and direction, and they just have to follow it. Mm. So um, there are different reasons they come for that. Um, sometimes fantasies are like codes and you know, like symbols that we need to unpack because it's just not clear like why someone fetish. What are some of them? Well, fetishes, for example, like food fetish. Uh, it's a really classic fetish, and it's just hard to understand. Like men say, I'm attracted to feet, but I don't understand, and they feel shame. And they don't tell anyone, so there is a lot of the stigma and shame uh, and seeing how difficult it is to be men as well because men are not allowed to share, show weaknesses, to have strange fantasies. And uh, a lot of men are just generally so afraid of approaching and touching women because what if I do something wrong? And all of this, uh, it's a lot, they have a lot of insecurities. They have so much they're dealing with and, and they don't have much outlet for their 
vulnerability. Uh, they don't have much space to be weak, to be a mess, to fall apart because there is strong expectation that man has to be manly in a relationship and then man has to be successful at work. So if for any reason he's not feeling that he is manly or successful, then he starts to feel not good enough, a lot of shame. A lot of isolation, loneliness, they, they don't have much outlets, they don't have much safe spaces to be that. So only in the recent years, I see a lot of men's groups where they have more possibilities to communicate that. But before, dominatrix would be a place, like just going to see a dom, just kneeling in front of her, being naked, being helpless, and then just talking. A lot of times sessions, they're just talking. Wow. Or just speak every fantasy they have all the fears they have like and just dom just sits there and listen to them and that could be enough yeah yeah i always remind myself that men are a result of the patriarchy too and they're the dark side for them really is not being able to emote and i i've even owned this and i've talked to my girlfriends about this where it's like we want men to be these like open-hearted partners and like emotional and with us but then so many people still if their partner is crying it's like oh or like they express that they're also scared about money or about the economy or about war or whatever it is it's like wait don't be you don't tell me you're scared because you're supposed to hold it down for me so where do you find yourself in that like being this woman who's like so in her feminine just like being in your essence i'm like oh my god it just feels so warm and so flowy and so comfortable and so confident and so radiant and like you know do you what are you looking for that's what i want to ask you like what do you look for in terms of like a, a partner do you still put this partner in this like i want him to be this masculine kind of hold it down that like traditional polarity that we hear a lot in feminine and masculine world what's your take on it after seeing this side of men that a lot of people probably don't see maybe even in their partnerships Mm, well i grew up in a society where a man was supposed to be a leader but it was never nice it was always like leaders would abuse take advantage of their power i know like just take advantage of women so I wouldn't trust men, and I can also see why I became a dom, because if I don't trust men, then I would better be the one controlling. I would just tell men what to do, and that feels safer. So I'm the strong one. I'm the leader, and it's great. And I kind of saw it in my personal relationship, although I didn't have submissive partners, like literally submissive, but there was a sense that I'm overpowering men, that I would rather have control in my hands. So I started noticing that and working through that. and realizing that I want to come back to my roots, actually. I want to be in a relationship where a man leads, actually. And at the same time, seeing how strong I am, that it's hard to be a leader for me. (laughs) So it takes a special person to be a leader. But at the same time, I really want someone emotionally available. So it's a really beautiful combination that I'm looking for. Someone who is a leader, who can really lead me, who can like show me some of my blind spots, like to take me to some new places that I haven't been to, like be a strong shoulder that I can lean on. And at the same time, not be rough and rigid, to be able to not be afraid to be honest and open and vulnerable with me. 
mm-hmm. and creative and expressive and emotional. I think this is really beautiful. There is so much strength in man who is not afraid to just own his emotions, to show his tears without having any fears of judgment. I feel like it's a beautiful combination and it's just so precious when I meet men like that. We're going to talk about how you help women really let themselves feel fully when they're intimate with someone. But I'm curious, just as we kind of wrap up the male side of it, how can women bring more tenderness and I guess more encouragement and excited invitation to men that they're intimate with to be more emotive to be more expressive like how is it with words is it with body language is it an energy that you can teach or hone to really encourage that space for them to really just be and yeah exist without that mask so much it's about not uh, having judgments for for their partner when he starts to show any signs of being weak or emotional or having some interesting fantasies like actually being curious and being open and being respectful and then he has a permission to go further because often men kind of test the territory like throw like a little bit of uh, fantasy like but i fantasize of that and if a woman is open if she is welcoming and curious not putting any harsh words or judgments on that then he can show more he can show more and if he's complimented there then it's he starts to open up more and he feels so safe and beautiful in that relationship. So in a way, people are holding each other in the relationship because it's hard for men, for him just to be the strong one, to him to be the space holder all the time and always be calm and cool. Like if that's a strong expectation for a woman, then he's hiding the other side. Or if she is welcoming different parts of pieces of him, he feels a lot of freedom and possibilities and for intimacy in the relationship. I feel like the line between encouraging partner, like open and welcoming partner to mother, that line is very thin. And I could even, I had some memories of like when my ex would bring me something and I wanted to go more into like over nurturing mode. Mm -hmm. And so is there any tips that you have to like remain as that partner and as that, you know, yeah, and not go into mothering and fixing and like really overly. I don't even know. Is there such a thing as overly nurturing? What's your take on that? Yeah, like mothering a man that's it starts to feel in the energy when you are hearing his fantasy, but then you take so much responsibility, so much. Um, yes, let's make that happen for you <laughs> instead of like, mm, like being in it. Yeah, and it's kind of comes down to everyone doing their own inner work, being comfortable in their own skin to begin with so you don't overly rely on your partner for that and then you are not overly giving, you're not overly nourishing, everyone is independent person, everyone has their own agency, their own like ways to emotionally support themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not too much intertwinement between partners. Yeah, that makes sense. And then in terms of fantasy, So let's take like a really classic, like man asks woman, you know, have you ever thought about having a threesome with a woman? I feel like most listeners have had that experience with a partner or with somebody they were seeing or whatever. 
And that's like, I think, a great gateway into testing the waters of fantasy. And so I know like a few years ago, if I were asked that question, I would be so offended. I would totally tense up and probably be like grossed out and like just walls up energy like off. Now I'm would be so curious, like I would express my curiosity, whether I wanted to or not. And then I would be curious as to why he asked and what his experience was. And if that's something that he wants, or if that's something that he saw with us or whatever that is. And so how do insecurities play into it when somebody's asking or expressing a fantasy? Your response sounds really healthy, just being curious, being open and sharing your take on that asking deeper questions like, why do you want this? What's there? Have you done this before? But of course, if there are insecurities like jealousy coming through, it's like, takes some emotional maturity to be able to listen to your partner and then like admit, well, when you share this, this is how I feel. Yeah. And that really brings two people in that um, sense of being vulnerable together. Like one shares their fantasy about having threesome and that's already vulnerable sharing maybe it took him some time to gather the courage to say and then if the partner receives it and say well that makes me feel this and this and this and that gives them a lot of room for open and honest communication without the goal to having someone responsible to fulfill their fantasy and by finding the ways that creativity can flow yeah and treating that aspect of sexuality is creativity and when you're creative you're looking for uh, a ways to manifest something imagine it in the reality but reality has all the limitations right and then finding some creative ways to make it happen without the shoots without the mask how you're supposed to be how they're supposed to be yeah and also what's coming up for me too is not assuming that i know why they're bringing it up because I think with something like that it's like I go into assumption land of well they must not be that into me if they want to bring somebody else in maybe they're not going to be a devoted you know faithful partner and they're bringing this up and so I've learned to really just watch like where I'm going with the narrative because like you said there's so many reasons why somebody has a fantasy and maybe even I imagine just talking about it is enough and just putting it out there is enough and acting on it may not even be necessary. So if we could switch actually a little bit to going back to BDSM and going back to fetishes and kink. So for BDSM, I think the culture, when we think BDSM, I think like spate, like we'll talk like foundational, like spanking and choking and like really like nasty, dirty talk, like some type of like degrading, whips, black, leather 50 shades of gray it's so funny that just came up into my consciousness because i actually never think about it um but like that's the that's what i think about when i think about bdsm what is bdsm to you what does it actually mean well bdsm or kink it's can be defined as something twisted kink is twisted it's something that is not normal i would never thought that kink kink is a kink yeah Oh my God, I've literally never thought about that. Yeah, it's kink is uh, kink. <laughs> and um, it just means that something that is not um, practiced by majority, basically. So mm. Something that's not normal is basically something that majority doesn't consider to be a normal practice for them. And that's why there's so much misconceptions and shame and 
all these ideas and rumors around because it's not just something practiced by the majority. And yet a lot of people have fantasies in that direction. So BDSM mostly is mostly about power exchange, um, bondage, discipline, sadism, masochism. So it's a lot about one person taking power over the other and power exchange is just normal part of life because there is always power interactions and in the society and the family and dynamics and intimacy. But most of us are trying hard to make everything even, like because it's just feels. We live in a very everything needs to be fair culture. Mm-hmm. It should be fair. It should be fair. That's so yeah. interesting, and that's why uh, to balance things out, fantasies are coming through to actually experience the opposite. To experience, what if I have total power? What would I do? How would I act if I have so much power? I can just do anything. And then the other polarity is what would happen if I just completely drop my power? If I'm just so, like, I don't have any will of my own, any desires of my own, whatever my partner wants, it can be done. And that's such an interesting dynamic to explore because it's also called top space and subspace. Top space is when you're having the power trip. And the subspace is when you are just completely giving yourself up, total surrender. And I've been on both polarities and they have... It's an interesting thing. It's like a circle in a way that you come to a full circle in both of those places. And it's whether you go to the top of having top space, that sense of, I can just do anything. I'm so free. There are no inhibitions anymore. I just do anything I want. And then being on the other side is also no inhibitions, being so free. Whatever is done to me, I'm accepting it. And that's a really beautiful state to be. It's like the state of non-duality. It's quite a spiritual experience, actually. Wow. And that's why people search for it in so many different ways. But there is this search for that power exchange that really brings us to that place of total surrender, total freedom, total trust. Mm. It's fascinating to me that kink and BDSM have all of these labels and all of these judgments only because it's not what typical sex is defined as but who would ever want to have majority who would ever want to i i'll speak for me i would never want to have sex like most people are having sex and that's not a judgment it's just what we have seen in porn what we have seen in movies i would say because we live in this very like fair culture let's just call it that like oh well if you do this for me it's it's transactional you say all the time like sex shouldn't be transactional you shouldn't do something just to get something or you the second you get something you shouldn't feel like you need to give something like really practicing giving and devotion without the need to receive and then just really receiving without the need to immediately turn around and touch someone or pleasure someone or get out of your own experience to make sure that they're also okay and so for me it's like wow of course like it's when people always say like oh you eat so healthy or da, da. it's like, well, I, you're only labeling that I'm like this health nut because most people eat like really poisonous foods in our country. And so my question for you is like BDSM and kink, is that actually, do you see that as something separate in your sex and in your intimate life? Or do you just think that is it? That's just like what it is to you. That's what sex is. Mm-hmm. No, sex is multidimensional. It can be so many things, and it's just one aspect of it. Sometimes we put label on it. Yeah, there is power exchange happening, so it's part of BDSM. But sometimes the 
those it's, it's so blurred. It's just sometimes happens spontaneously without even thinking that okay, we are participating in BDSM acts. Sometimes it's just being creative. Sometimes it's just mood of the day to just surrender and not do anything and let partner mm-hmm. take over. So yeah, that's in my life. I feel like there is less labels, basically. Beautiful. Yeah, I was thinking. You said the mood of the day. This power exchange. I also imagine that that plays being in like complete. I'm I'm gonna say complete surrender. The practice of that intimately. I imagine also extends outside of the bedroom, like in life, to just fully be in your pleasure. And then also the other way around, because the first time that I really the person, well, I say only, I don't know, definitely the first time that I had that experience where like my brain just completely went blank in like the most euphoric, most beautiful way was before I was even intimate with the person. I remember the experience of just being in my body and dancing around in his living room and not thinking like, is he good? Is he okay? Do I like, is my cellulite showing? Like, you know, does he want to like move, like move on with the night? Like there was no thoughts of that for the first time in my life. And I really think it was like time of my life, but also the energy that he was holding of really just receiving him being in almost full surrender and in receiving of me just being in my joy and in my pleasure and in my feminine. And it was like that moment to me was just, so healing and i'm curious like how do you see these types of practices extend out into your life and then also back into the bedroom yeah ideally they do have ripple effect sometimes it's more sometimes less sometimes it's uh, just happening automatically just because they've touched you so deeply you just cannot help it and other times it's good to take a bit more conscious steps to really bring it into life because that's most of us wanting that but um, also, yeah, just uh, now I saw a client with my femdom trainee and then he was sharing how after every interaction, like for a really long time, like for a couple of weeks or at least a month, sometimes like really longer than that, it, he says like how productive he's at work, how loving he is at home, like how much joy and freedom he feels in his body after media summer interaction, after being submissive. And in my life too, sometimes it just feels like a bright, like a bright explosion. If I deeply, deeply surrender, I'm just want to sing songs and not care how I sound. I would. I remember just not long ago, I had this really powerful interaction with one of my Shibari mentors in Japan. I just asked him, "Can you show me your style? I would love to experience it on my own skin." And then he tied me up in such a blissful way. I was just so deeply surrendering to him. Just take me, use me, do anything, anything, anything. It was this sense of like deepening and surrender. And he was just feeling me so deeply. And he was tying me in the way that it was so like blissful, so perfect, so precise, like really honoring me, worshiping my body, making me look beautiful, feel beautiful. He would take pictures and Every picture I just came out like queen, like in those ropes. Wow. And then coming out of that journey, it was many hours of time. I forgot myself, I forgot the world. It was really ecstatic experience and I really needed it because before that I was just having a bit rough times in life where I was just needing to hold too many things in my shoulders. And then I just dropped it and that was just total deep bliss of surrender. 
And after I came out of the session and the afterglow was like a couple of months of me being the most joyful, feminine version of myself, like literally singing songs on my scooter in Thailand. I spent a month in Thailand. I was just riding my scooter, singing songs and smiling, like just smiling to every stranger. And like, and this is just rope tying. That was yeah. basically all he did was rope tying, but with full presence. It was rope tying, full presence. And it was the sexual energy just moving everywhere. It was just like healing energy, infusing every cell of my body. It was feeling so alive. Like it was nothing else needed to just it did feel like an intimate interaction without needing to go to plastic sex. Yeah. It just did feel like a very intimate exchange. And that sexual flow was just orgasmic. Like it was just constantly moving and flowing. That energy was just dancing. And he was using ropes to put me in different positions. And he was looking at me. He was breathing with me. There was a lot of communication happening non-verbally between us. Oh, my God. This sounds so amazing. I'm like, okay. For people, um, I'll ask. Women who come to you and they have a very hard time surrendering, getting to the place of the mind is quiet. It's, of course, a two-person experience. And, like, what is the advice that you give to women who are really having a hard time, who have a partner who is willing to just put their pleasure at the forefront for a moment without bringing in their pleasure? My friends and I always laugh. Like we love when a guy could keep his penis away for a while mm -hmm. because once it comes out, it's like, dude, did you forget like that this was an experience and now it's like your penis is like the the star of the show when really it's like one like little or hopefully not aspect of the, you know, all are accepted. Um, we don't discriminate, but like it's one piece of the whole experience. And so anyways, for the p women who have partners who are willing to give them that devotion, that presence, and want them to surrender, because at least in my experience, I'd be curious about that next. Like, I think men are so craving for women to go to those places and fully surrender to them in that way. How do you, what do you tell them? What do you teach them? What do you show women to help them get to that place where they really can sit back and really receive? Well, they have to first do it with themselves because it's so hard when we don't give ourselves a nourishment space time care when we don't we're not compassionate to ourselves it's hard for other person to break through that armor we need to get that to that space of relaxation and rest and put the armor down and i'm getting guilty of that from time to time just recently by the way i saw my lover for one night because he lives in a different city and i visited him and um, and he was so ready to shower me with like so much affection and devotion and all the things we usually like with each other for many, many hours. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to receive because I had my schedule so back to back for like five days before that. And I was just in my edge of burnout. And I, when I came to see him, like just put me in a bathtub and just leave me there for a few hours. And thank God he was receptive. He met me exactly where I was. He didn't demand anything. So that gave me relaxation. But I needed more time. And it wasn't just just one bathtub that was enough for me. I needed more time. I needed to sit quiet, meditate, go for a tiny walk in that nearby forest to start like slowing down my nervous system. So I can relate. Like we're all guilty of getting in that place of just being so so much in control, like our nervous system, so fired up, I mean, coffee and doing things, being in a 
schedule, taking care of others, giving ourselves to others so much. Like many women just give themselves to children like so much that by the time it's time for them to receive that, like, I just want to sleep, just, I can't, I am just overwhelmed. So yeah, it's about finding ways to prioritize ourselves as women so we can be in the space in that calm state in our nervous system to be playful, receptive, because our sexual juices flow when we feel safe in our body and when our nervous system is so fired up for a long time it's harder for us to receive relax surrender be creative be intimate mm. i'm having so many aha moments mm. because the experience that i shared with you like dancing and just like being in his living room with the music on and just feeling myself mm. so much i would have never done that if i didn't have months before that where I was alone like in my cute little outfits in my living room doing that alone like that freedom that I felt like yes he was there but I felt that in my body and he got to witness that and then him witnessing that and me witnessing him witnessing me witnessing him was such a beautiful potent experience and it's like such simple advice right like slow down and, and feel that in yourself. But really what I'm hearing, which is different than I think what a lot of people explain is like, learn to surrender to yourself before you can surrender to someone else and really just let yourself scream and sigh and dance and moan and touch yourself and or just like relax and throw yourself in the bath. And that practice is sounds like really, really beautiful if we can make the time to do it, which is difficult part. Because right, we want our lovers to feel our bodies, to be so like attuned, so caring. And we often are not. When we feel our bodies tired and we push ourselves, we feel our body needs something, we just disregard it. Yeah, you know, starting from that place of really connecting to our body, feeling you know, it's tired, this is the time to rest, not to push ourselves to the next activity, next thing to do. If our body feels like movement and going for the movement, such simple things like nourishing our body with the right amounts of food, giving our body the right amount of sleep. It's, in a way, it's really simple, but yet this simplicity is so overlooked because our minds tend to drive the show and our minds were supposed to be at certain standard. And yeah, that's why we often override our desires and what our bodies really need. And then when it comes to sexuality, no wonder we are numb. We don't feel want anything. We don't feel anything because we've been numbing ourselves. Mm. The worshiping of your body. I remember, I, I think it was probably Bryn who we love. Bryn, if you're listening to this, we love you. I think it was, she was probably the first person that really started talking about self-pleasure practices. And at that time, mine was definitely not a practice. It was like quick and just to do it and like get the simulation and like that was it. Remember, she was the first person that said, like, touch your hair or like pull your hair a little bit or like really like feel your body when you're doing that. Like when you're in that moment where you are giving yourself pleasure, like what would it feel like to like grab your own neck a little bit or grab your breasts or touch yourself in all of these different places? And I remember texting my friends after like I had like my own experience with myself where I was like, oh, my God, like I feel like I just surrendered to myself and it was this like really mind-blowing like intimate solo experience and through that time I was like pulling on my hair and like touching myself in all different ways and kind of like experiencing like impact play in like different areas and I texted my friends and I was like when you guys touch yourself like are you touching your body 
Like, are you like squeezing your arms and your breasts and like all these things? And like across the board, it was pretty much no. And I was like, wait a minute. Like if we're not even scratching the surface of our own pleasure in our own bodies on our own time, like no wonder why we're not doing it with our partners. So is there any tips that you have for people when they're alone and they're being intimate with themselves that could help prepare them for these very mind-blowing experiences, which I want to talk more about. So interestingly, you reminded me of that, my own story of how I would touch myself superficially already while giving women like whole ceremonial journeys, yoni massages. And there was a point I started to envy my clients. It was such a strange feeling. After every session, I would feel angry. I started to feel angry and then I started to demand a partner, a boyfriend guy that was with me at that time. Like he has to give me the same level of experience. And explain a yoni massage yeah. briefly, but come back to this just so people know. Yeah, it's a tantric body work. It's, the, it's a really holistic experience of connecting with the yoni to bring her aliveness, to release any tensions, blockages, discharge any emotions and I relax a lot of spots on pelvic floor area and access full orgasmic potential. So it's a long body work, which brings women into that place of safety, relaxation and orgasmic pleasure. Yeah. Okay. It gives like a glimpse of that a ceremonial experience just gives you a glimpse of what's really possible. So you can bring this into your life. Yeah. And I've been giving this for a while. And interestingly, like I was not doing the same to myself. And then I expected that my partner has to do this to me. And then I would be so disappointed that if you wouldn't know, because it's a very special practice, not many people in the world who can do this. And I would expect a simple guy <laughs> to know how to give me. <laughs> He's probably like used to just touching a clitoris if yeah, he can even find it. Exactly. And I, I would expect him to know. And then I would get frustrated, try to educate him, but he wouldn't be on the level. So it took me some time to get to a place like, wait a minute, my hands have so much power. All these women giving me this feedback, how much I feel with my hands, how healing they are and why it doesn't come to me. And I started to really admit to myself that I cannot touch myself the same way I touch my clients. And it was hard to, hard pill to swallow. And it took me some time, some patience. Like I would really allocate, I, for, I had to put on a schedule that timing like this evening, like four hours, no phone, nothing else, no distraction, just me and my body. And I will really connect to my body like I connect to my clients. So I would do a whole like ritual scene the same way as removing my clothes, ritualistic, putting all the oils in my skin. So yeah, this is the recommendation that I can share based on my experience to women. It might be strange and, and uncomfortable initially, but the point is to really put that time on a schedule and just give it to ourselves. And, and that means that we are not rushing for like genital touch. We want to start like touching, start connecting with the whole body, like how our fingers feel, how our hands feel. Where do you feel tension? Where do you feel emotion in the body? Where do you feel tingling sensation? Which part of the body feels alive? So starting to really bring this holistic connection to ourselves and loving touch, tender touch, not the touch that, okay, does this feel pleasant? If it doesn't feel pleasant, doesn't matter. But no, if it doesn't feel pleasant, you feel what it feels. Maybe it feels like it wants to say something. Different body parts can speak to you. So the tensions can have a message underneath it to trusting that, listening to that, being patient, being slowing down enough to start noticing the subtleties around the body. And those subtleties, they 
slowly become very rich, very important, very interesting. And then our pleasure expands. Our pleasure is no longer this genital connection, but actually there is a deeper pleasure of just being attuned to ourselves. Oh my gosh. I wish that every single woman listening to this has that experience, not just once, but over and over, because I mean, I, I have it and then I lose it and then I feel like I have it and then I lose it again. But that intimate connection with your body, there's nothing like it. It's like, I feel like that's why, why we're here. Like I'm in this body for this experience for these short amount of years. Like I really want to feel the full depths of what is possible in the pleasure of my own body. And so I'm curious, we talked about superficial pleasure a little bit and superficial orgasm. So do you think that every woman or, or most women have access to like vaginal orgasms, deeper orgasms, because this is like a huge topic, of course. And I remember the first time, probably when I was 27, I don't know, it was probably like maybe six or seven years ago. It was maybe when I was around 20. I remember my friends and I were pretty open, but this was before I had like friends like you and like Bryn and like half of my clients are like sex coaches and sex therapists and I'm in this world. Before this, I remember asking friends, like, do you guys orgasm without them or yourself, like, having clitoral stimulation? And every one of my friends was like, absolutely not. Like, I think I had one friend who was like, yeah, I totally can. And so most women need that clitoral stimulation. And we're talking more like external, let's just say. Do you think that most women or everyone have access to vaginal orgasms? How do you describe them? How are they different? And for people who mm-hmm. want them, like, is it possible for everyone or some people it's just not possible? I trust that it's possible for everyone. We have anatomy that allows us to receive this deepest pleasure. And while giving a lot of yoni massages, I see that every woman is capable of that. And I, when it's not possible at that time, it's just we start to see why it's not possible. So the body is so wise. If it doesn't give us a possibility, it will give us the reason. It's not that just, you're just not made for it. No, it just never happens like this. There's always a reason why you cannot access that. And this is so fascinating like, to trust how women are designed for that bliss. And at the same time, it's amazing that most women can access external pleasure because it's already a good starting point. Some women say, well, I need a vibrator and a lot of stimulation there, and this is how I can. Great, this is a good starting point. There is some pleasure that's possible. And then we want to take that pleasure inside and then learn how it feels inside when we bring that energy in. And um, vaginal orgasms are very holistic experiences, and that's why. It's harder to access because we are on a go most of the time, just vibrator, we're done and that's it. And then a man doesn't have enough patience because men tend to fire up much faster and then um, everything finishes much faster. So if a man is not able to last long enough with foreplay and intercourse, then it's harder for us to access vaginal pleasure because they tend to take time as any holistic experience, need time to relax. We don't want to be tense. Our whole body has to relax because if our belly, for example, is tense during the vaginal stimulation, it's harder to access vaginal orgasm because our belly, the tension will prevent it. So um, different pelvic floor tensions can prevent it. So basically everything comes down to the deep relaxation connection to your body and deep surrender. 
Like if it's if I give you like the simple recite, that would be then just deep relaxation, surrender, trust, vulnerability, openness, connection to your body. Mm-hmm. Yes. And at the same time, it's not so simple because our lives are not designed around those qualities. Sex can be treated as another thing to achieve, to conquer, to get to the end, to get to the final destination, to prove something to someone, to get something. Mm-hmm. So there's all this like achievement, transactional energy, superficial energy, duty, uh, all of those like, things that come on the way. And then our bodies are tensing up and we're not capable of receiving vaginal orgasm. So you've seen women who come in and they're like, I've never had one or I can't. And in your experience, everyone you've worked with has been able to have an experience like that. Sometimes there's something comes on the way and it just means they need more time to clear it. Mm. And when you say yeah. the body tells you, if, like, if you can't do something, yeah. then the body will tell you how does it what it like what has people's bodies said and how does it show up yeah i'd say there's something from the past or something from their current life situation mm-hmm. two things so it's also can be something more simple such as physical tension that we just clear through massaging but most of the time it's more complex it's more of an energetic emotional thing that's still lingering so some kind of like still being faithful to the conditioning of the past like woman relaxes too much she's not safe something like maybe grandparents like share so it can be something from the past from the way the history of like family history uh, or it can be some current situation in life when they're not honoring themselves in certain ways they're not being authentic and truthful to themselves or they're not living their fullness of their life so it's uh, somehow connected to either present situation or situation of the past and the body tends to speak because when we start to listen to that place usually woman comes up herself like i'm feeling this place like and i ask like what does it feel like what does it look like i i make i allow them to connect to their unconscious by asking them about shapes and colors and visions and sometimes they see like oh i'm seeing this in in front of me i'm seeing that episodes of my childhood like where that happened and that still affects me and other times it's more like symbolic, like we start seeing the red color and that red represents this and then this pain comes through. So if we follow the cues of the unconscious mind and then it reveals itself. Yeah. Do you think that this is good for women who have had traumatic experiences in their lives related to sex or not? Definitely. Uh, if there was like a time where sexuality was duty, they had to do something against their will. Like that definitely affects it, and we just need to, or at least I need to go through that. Maybe there is rage that we didn't allow to show. Yeah, um, anger, like repressed anger, is really big for women. That repressed anger really blocks their sexuality actually so much because that's like fiery energy that's kind of stuck in them. And then sexual sexual energy has a lot to do with that fiery expression. So if a woman like blocks that energy to be safer because she didn't feel safe before to express her rage that will definitely affect her orgasms. And you can see this, and can you feel it in someone's yoni? Like when you're doing these things, like can you feel the difference from like when you begin to when it's done? Like, is it softening? Is it opening? Like, tell me about how internally the experience is. We all know like, it's so fascinating that this isn't more mainstream, right? When you're really one of the only people in the world that does it. And it's like body keeps the score. All have you heard of the book Body Keeps the Score? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's everywhere. It's all over Instagram, all over TikTok, and it's 
become such common knowledge that our body holds emotion, our body holds trauma, and we have this vast internal landscape of our yoni, mm. yet there's there's little to no education. Thank God for people like you who are teaching women how to do this for themselves and for others, but really how to be with that area and nurture it so that we can also extract not only the pleasure, but the wisdom and the power from it. So yeah, tell me about how it shifts and how it changes and what that feels like. Yeah, well, these days we are becoming safer to explore pleasure. Before sexuality was a lot about survival and procreation. And I can see how for my mom or gram grandma, this wouldn't be such a relevant topic. They lived a whole different life. And think, thanks to them, we can be in that safer space where we can prioritize our pleasure and beliefs and spiritual aspects of sexuality. So I feel really honored to live at that time when this becomes safe and possible to spread this knowledge around and, of course, to give this to myself as well. But we're coming back to the question of yoni opening and softening. Yeah, we take time. And this is why it's becoming possible because you cannot rush through it. If there is a moment she tenses and it feels like, no, we just need to slow down. We need to really stop. We need to listen. So um, this is really the key for the for yoni to really open because she really responds to that. She responds to caring, compassionate attention, like just kind of holding her, copying her. How are you feeling? I have no expectation from you. You don't have to be aroused. You don't have to be anything. Because so often in sexuality, we have so much expectation. Oh, God, yeah. So much insecurity around, yeah. honestly, tightness too. What's yeah. your take on that? Like, women who are tensing and they want these tight vaginas yeah, like too much in the opposite extreme okay. <laughs> because we want our vaginas to be toned right They're just like with muscles right we can be like this bodybuilders with so much tightness but then they become too tight there is no no flow of energy no flexibility yeah so yeah on this healthy balance of not being like way too relaxed that there is no muscle tonus and mm -hmm. at the same time not to be too tight that there is like it's hard to relax so it has to be this really perfect balance and we look into that during your massage by testing the muscles like seeing how she's able to first of all feel those muscles use those muscles and like that tension and relaxation has to come really immediately like i tense very relax if it's too tight it tense it's like relaxing <laughs> yeah. and then it just oh it's really slowly it takes really a long time to relax so it's that perfect balance of being toned just like for any other muscles we have like perfect toned muscles are really healthy and um and then inside the yoni usually as you start massaging there is this kind of hesitation and there before it relaxes it takes a bit of time for her to start feeling safer so you need to find this perfect touch where it's not pushing too much not forcing but just enough to feel and then over time and rhythm, it's like being in trance and then it gets in a zone and then you relax. And that happens together with this, like just breathing calmly, relaxing the body, feeling, staying present, staying connected in rhythm. Rhythm is really helpful. Our nervous system relaxes when there is a sense of rhythm because we know that there is no abrupt changes, no abrupt yeah. movements. It's the same rhythm. So the body starts to relax and you really respond so well to rhythm. And yeah, time, rhythm, patience, presence, connection, and just keep massaging, keep massaging. Tuning into different spots. They can feel different, like vaginal walls is one sensation. But then like A spot, G spot, K spot, P spot. Oh my gosh, Sorry, we like 16 podcasts, but honestly, just yeah. go to the Happy Place podcast because <laughs> you'll be exploring it all. 
You know, uh, all those spots, like they all just relax over time. And usually by the end of yoni massage, all of those places, they start to feel at least physically relaxed. So this is a very common result that physically everything relaxes much easily. The hardest place to relax is all the mental things we have. So very often our mind starts to kind of have this all kinds of ideas and like mental blockages basically are much harder to break. Physical body is so innocent, it tends to relax a lot faster. And then some residual things here and our mental state and emotions and then the rest of the body because yoni can relax but the energy starts to flow and then we have tension here tightness here so it's a, it's a system that really flows together we yeah. to address everything yeah so one more question before i move forward on like tightness versus relaxation i remember like when i was much younger maybe like 18 19 the only way that i could really feel pleasure is if I was like really tensing my whole body. And I actually find that that's like a super common experience for a lot of women is like they'll tense and then if they like reach that peak, then they can like relax and release. And so for women who are wanting to experience more pleasure, vaginal orgasms, I'm hearing like time, patience, mm -hmm. trust, breath, maybe rhythm. And then also like wh what's the balance when you're intimate or let's just say having intercourse or experiencing like fingers inside where you want to be tensing versus relaxing? Like, is that different for everybody or do you have like suggestions? Overall, gearing yourself towards relaxation. Tension can be like play with. If you just want to have like this elements of flirt and playfulness, go for it. But it seems to be overemphasized because for man to feel more intensity, if a woman tenses up, he feels more. But at the same time, the clitoral orgasm is really parallel to male ejaculation, which happens in attention, right? So for man, it's also a similar recommendation for him to last longer and to feel more energies and to have different types of orgasm. He needs to be able to relax and ejaculation happens during tension. So man's coaches teach men to relax a lot more so he can actually feel more and last longer. So it's actually helpful for both partners to relax more. It prolongs the experience and it creates a lot more sensations in their body. So for women, general recommendation is to relax. The tension can also psychologically represent like the green, the need. Like, what if I don't get to orgasm and then he's finished and then there's like, oh, yeah, needing to tense up and brace himself, like, come on, come on. And that uh, kind of symbolizes a lot of superficial pleasure if there is some. It's, it's, it's still a surface. It's not quite deep enough. It's not quite there. So, yeah, the overall recommendation, if you want to go deeper, um, really find more room for relaxation and just take time. And that's... Often takes both partners because if you imagine the, there is a, a man who doesn't last long and he's impatient and he's in a hurry, then it's much harder for a woman to relax and feel deeper pleasure. Uh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we talked a little bit about fantasy and a little bit about kink and BDSM and do you feel like all fantasies and desires that are, I guess, let's just say a little bit kinky, should be explored and should be um, gotten to the root of why you have that. If they're persistent, if they start to take a lot of space, like, yeah, it's good to investigate them deeper. But sometimes they're just innocent and playful and cute. And you can just have fun without adding that layer of therapy. Totally. Okay. Because I remember back to my back to girlfriend talk. 
So we were all talking. I feel like, again, BDSM, I would say in the more mainstream culture, at least for me and my friends, is like spanking, light choking, different things like that. And maybe even some like dirty talk, but like kind of like more degrading, like things like that. So those types of things, we all like we're sitting around we're like, oh, yeah, it's so hot, da, da, da. And we're like, do we need therapy? Like, are we good? Like, Why would we want them to say those things? Or why would I want somebody to be so rough with me? So can you talk about that? Like, why? Like, if it's if it's light, and it's not like super extreme, like, where does that come from? Like, why do people want that roughness? And also, I'll leave it there. Yeah, just we're tired of being appropriate. That's the short answer. Because we just try to be appropriate in so many places in life. And that means like equal, like we discuss, or saying the right things at the right time, and not allowing ourselves to be naughty, to be wrong, to be like bad and dirty, like all those things become desired once we're just too much geared into being appropriate. Mm. So really what I what I got to just was a glimpse of like me in like first or second grade do you remember like those t- i don't know if you had this the tiles in schools like we had we had like these lines and these tiles where when we walked in the hallways we had to like not walk like crazy little kids we had to like walk in like kind of like i don't know like close to the wall when we were going from place to place and i remember always standing on the line and being like f this shit like i don't want to walk on this line between jimmy and timmy like i want to like walk over there or walk this way and I just had that image of like, well, of course, like our whole lives were like told to drive like this and to do this. Yeah. And so getting into a space where you could be like, I want to be called this or pull my hair like this or throw me around like this. You're so right. It's just it's like raw and just liberated. Like, yeah, there is so much freedom, like just saying anything that comes to your mind regarding filtering yourself and doing all the sounds <laughs> that can sound weird and really gross in a way animal kind of now mm-hmm. thing it's no wonder looking back in also in american culture how those the ones that i'm performers who would not be afraid to just embody some kind of animalistic and dirty kind of spirit like mm-hmm. just watch like this elvis presley movie where i learned that apparently just moving hips was so inappropriate oh my god i love that when the girls were passing out yeah yes. it's so crazy right now because we are evolved since that but still there's yeah. some of that in the society just on a different level like how that animalistic hip movement was just so inappropriate and then it's so attractive well, look what he became it's not that yeah. his singing was so great there was something about that like energy being outside of society's daily oh it's nice to see you (laughs) like embodying the different energies that are like dark and dirty and naughty like it's so attractive that because we really want it so Mm -hmm. like we're judging and we want it so there is this duality of judging something and wanting that judging and wanting so often if i start asking more questions about certain fantasy there is some judgment coming either from family or from themselves like men who want to be dressed in women's clothes, really common, like client for a dominatrix, mm. a man who wants to be cross-dressed, who wants to be dressed up like a slut and pink lingerie and dance wow. to like Madonna, like a virgin, completely different <laughs> areas from like a classic Wall Street guy. Well, why? Because he blocks it so much in himself, like that really silly feminine expressions. And that's why he wants to go in the opposite extreme, like having that office career and being so strict and uptight and with tie in the suit and then changing into this pink slot outfit and just dancing madly. So that's the duality where we live in. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm having <laughs> such a, a thought too around. So like personally, like I've always like if like there's some dirty talk that's like a little bit degrading, just like the tiniest bit. I think it's really hot. Like if it's done right. And I've thought to myself like, oh my God, are these things that I think about myself? And like, I've brought that judgment into it. But what you're saying right now is like giving so much clarity because it's actually just experiencing the other end. Like I actually haven't been very promiscuous in my life. Promiscuous, I don't even know what the word is. Like I haven't pursued a lot of partners. Like I haven't had a lot of sexual partners. I was in committed relationships for five years and then five years from 15 to 25. And then after I've only been single for a year, I I really just haven't had many experiences at all because it's just me. Mm. But so the idea of like kind of being that like whore, that slut and like somebody kind of saying that or seeing me as that, it's not because I am that or that I want to be that or whatever. It's just the contrast of actually what my lived experience typically is. And that's just hot. It's like a glimpse into the extreme range of being. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Incredible to observe and people who kind of go in one extreme so much and like, I want to do the opposite. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about God and sex. (laughs) (laughs) So I have heard you say that sex for you can be a spiritual experience and I mean that's pretty much I would imagine the basis of Tantra which you can definitely share more about and also having a glimpse of God through sexual experiences that you've had and would you say that the per like your main purpose I guess in engaging in a sexual experience with either yourself or someone is to reach that state no most perfect case, yeah. Sometimes more human inhibitions and insecurities or something on the way comes and and it just takes some space. But otherwise, yeah, the most beautiful experience I have sexually is that. Of course, we don't want to undermine like human connection, connecting human to human, even though even when we feel not so divine and godly in the most insecure places, that can be also its own divine experience. Also depends what you consider godly and divine so i can share from the tantric school where i come from uh, on the very beginning of course i'm gaining that knowledge about the chakra systems that we have the muladhara the earth chakra connection to most like animalistic like earth grounds uh, like this really like simple unrefined kind of energies and then going up 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 and then we get into sahasrara chakra total dissolution from shapes and form and time and space and then we study about so what sexuality has to do with that, that there are some teachings that say you need to go in the cave, meditate, separate yourself from all the worldly, just stay in your meditation in your Sahasrara chakra and just escape that human realm because it's just too gross and it's not spiritual enough. But then Tantra has this philosophy about uniting this energy. So that means that we want to build up the energy in Muladhara, the lower chakras. I feel so like connected there and vital. And then we use that energy and we start sublimating them up above to Sahasrara. And this is basically the idea of using sexuality for higher uh, states of consciousness as opposed to like just staying in a lower state. So in a way it look, looks and feels like practically for me, like lower ones are having a lot, all this insecurities of being like shame and not getting enough, not good enough. So if I 
only generate the energy there, then I might stay after, like in the afterglow of sexuality, in my insecurities, like, will I see him again? Will it, what will happen? Does he love me? All of these things and emotions and frustrations, and then having like more divine sexual experiences where we move that energy higher and we move it through like um, Anahada Chakra, this, this center of love and compassion. And all of a sudden, I'm no longer preoccupied. Like, how my belly looks like? Will he call me after that? <laughs> like, none of that matters anymore. And all of a sudden, we go higher, higher. And there's this dissolution and oneness. And all of a sudden, everything that I thought was different, me versus other, it's like one. And there is no separation. Oof, I'm feeling yeah. goosebumps because I'm having some memories and how it feels like. And then my partner holds me and we're together. We don't have to say that we just feel it together and we just embrace each other and again there is no chase for ejaculation for him because this is the highest like why would he care to just have that momentary release when this is the the divine experience that is so priceless and that's speaking of like alternative pleasure for man like this is the best alternative man can have because so often men are conditioned to just chase this superficial pleasure this quick release and of course it's needed sometimes so much stress is just accumulated so that release of energy is needed and yet like this is such a different alternative yeah and for a woman to be with that man who is not trying to get somewhere but just wants to be just in be in it yeah yeah stay in that space honor that space like make a prayer in the peak of your sexual experience i feel like having a partner who can just stay with me in that prayer energy because once you experience that unity oneness you want to share it you want to bring it to everyone and yeah my recent sexual encounter was a lot about that we were able to go rise up in that and that state and then from that state it was just so much oneness and unity and just divine grace there and it's like he still moves he continues to move and we are there and then he starts to make a prayer and then because we had all this situation with uh, uh israel israel recently like and it was in our field like he started to share well it may all people who like suffer somehow there like those who are struggling for not in that kind of space where feeling pain and despair, like may all people perfected from that conflict receive that energy. Like I'm feeling and I'm crying and he keeps on repeating that prayer and he keeps on moving and he repeats that prayer. It was like so divine and precious and special. So like, yeah, that's just my little glimpse of my recent experience of that. Oh my God. <laughs> this is the only kind of sex I want to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and after that, you do have different standards, and it's just, you're no longer satisfied by the like, transactional energy there anymore. You want that, and of course, you become a lot more careful and picky. Like, I used to be a person who wanted more wild experience just to try everything, and now it's like, yeah, I don't want to settle for less. I want that sexual experience bring me there in some yeah. form. I don't also want to be attached that every act has to look like that it's also another misconception that once you have some peak experience we need to chase it like it's actually going to push us away from it but um learning like how to surrender so deeply how to be so authentic and truthful so that will bring you to that place this it sounds like a lot of dissolving of ego and like this concept of pleasure as prayer is so gorgeous it's so beautiful because it, it really is. It's like to honor someone else enough to not be chasing something within yourself 
is such an act of devotion. And then also to honor yourself enough to give yourself the experience of really being in the experience without fear of time or are they with other people or is this going to go anywhere? Are they going to call me after? Just that practice alone is so important to practice in every area of life. Like with friendships, like how long are we going to be friends? Is this is this the real deal? Like just with business, like are they, is this client going to sign with me again? Or are they good? It's just, it's the non-attachment to any outcome. And what better, more also fun way to practice that than in a sexual experience. Damn. So that is, you just explained it. That is sex, sex as a spiritual practice, right? If our spiritual practice is really at its core, at least for me, is to not attach to this body, to this life, to these goals, because I know that I'm only here for a little bit of time. And I know that this voice and this body and all these friends and everyone I love, this is just a glimpse. It's just a moment and it's going to go like that. And so my spiritual practices for me remind me, and we both love Zen and we both practice this, is like the contemplation that this is also temporary. And I think having that pleasure container is such a beautiful act of that. Like, you know, in this moment, time is really suspended because our full presence is here. And we don't have to worry about these timelines or our ego or our roles or anything. It's such a portal to just be present with the ecstasy of your body and somebody's full, full fullness on you. Oh, my God. I am so grateful that you're willing to talk about this. And I'm, you know, I hope that anybody who's hearing this that hasn't had this experience, I feel extremely grateful that I could feel the tears in your eyes and I've had that experience. And it's amazing how just like a man putting aside his need to ejaculate could be so healing for a woman. Like just just them taking the moment to say like, I'm not going to rush towards that. I'm just here with you. So healing. But anybody who's listening to this who hasn't had this experience yet, I hope that by hearing Rita and I talk, like you, it is possible for you. Like, it is absolutely a possibility for you. And it's, I think it's your destiny if you're open to it. And this is the kind of sexual experience that you want. I trust completely that that they'll have that, that anyone can have that. Because I didn't start in an easy place. My sexuality was full of all kinds of impurities. Well, what I mean by impurities is I was full of manipulation, full of greed, full of needy energy there. I was definitely using my looks, my seduction to get some kind of reassurance. I'm sure you did really good at that because, wow. (laughs) Growing up in Russia, it definitely conditioned us in that direction for women to use that allure, that like drive to get things from a man. So definitely guilty of like a lot of sexual manipulation. And and then my sexuality itself was just full of that greedy, needy kind of like needing more, needing to get like, will he do this to me? Will he satisfy me? Will I get off like this? So it just didn't take to me. It didn't come to me so naturally. It was my personal path of healing that brought me to that place. Because ultimately, it's not the trick that you just get to God through sex. I feel like it's just a holistic approach. It's sick. How is your daily practice? All well, this man that I 
<laughs> just beautifully described. I will tell him how grateful I am to him again because yeah, we too. Are we're both gonna be texting them after. <laughs> but knowing him for so long that he has this really every morning couple of hours he devotes to Shiva. Like he's his main archetype, and he surrenders himself to Shiva. He does all his meditation practices to Shiva and he like teaches in tantric school everything about Shiva like so Shiva is on his mind Shiva is on our sex like when he actually is afraid to ejaculate like he somehow gets closer he's just too excited he will just look at through your third eye and there will be Shiva there like and it's just his life and it's my my life is not exactly devoted to Shiva like that but spiritual practice is a huge part of my life going to retreats to meditation every morning Starting with meditation, like a lot of, um, it's been a big journey for me. So this is the best recommendation, really starting from yourself again. Really having that connection to God in yourself outside of sex and then bringing it into sex. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned lovers that you have. I remember we were chatting and you were saying you just got back from somewhere. You were chatting like, oh, I got to see my lover there. You said it so casually and then you had mentioned it again. I like, oh, I got to see my lover here or it's my lover there. And and I remember thinking to myself, huh, lovers, there's lovers and there's friends with benefits. How are they the same? How are they different? Because in our society, it's like friends with benefits and it never works. Like you can't just hook up with somebody. You can't just have that experience. And then I hear you say that you're having these deep, profound, and it sounds like very loving um, experiences with people that you are not in a like committed container with. You're not in a polyamorous container with. You just have this experience of a lover. So tell me about that experience because I like to put all these attachments (laughs) onto people if I'm intimate with them and then wonder if, we need to be exclusive or sh- like w- getting in my head about whether or not I should be dating them or whatever. So what's your experience with lovers? Yeah, I have different types of connection with different men and the one in Thailand, like is not even such a close friends, uh, more of like lover because we see each other, not even for dinners, we see each other exactly for tantric love making rituals and that's it. And I don't feel the inclination of having relationship with him outside of it like even just if i see him on a street it's not it's not my kind at all actually like physically the way he lives his life like not exactly the kind of guy that i would want to like to feel like oh there's so much attraction but it's his tantric skill and his spiritual path that unites us so we are more like friends on a spiritual path only spiritually we are like friends we connect only on spiritual subjects spiritual things actually i met him as my first tantric teacher like 10 years ago actually my 10 years and maybe longer so we have only that spiritual connection and we would only see each other in the tantric school for all the rituals we were doing and then we started to see each other as lovers specifically for tantric rituals so we don't have any relationship outside of it and this somehow feels the best way for us i feel like different people can match in so many different ways so i think it's great to be open and creative and how it can look like because different people can find match and blend exactly in one particular way. And I also have another partner in New York. But what happens, I travel a lot. So there is also a thing about my lifestyle that I go places and I create. I like to create deep connections with people. And then I go to the next place. Sometimes it's a bit sad. I would love to see them more often, actually. 
but me and my partner in New York is more friends, actually, because we share so many things together. We go hiking together. We connect on the phone and chat about our lives. We support each other in the times of difficulties. So we are more friends, but he is very polyamorous. He has multiple partners and yeah, and I'm happy to be one of them and it feels really great and we see each other we also practice tantra he's also a spiritual path so i feel like for me it's really important that some men are on some sort of spiritual path doesn't have to be officially worshiping shiva it can be something not so esoteric (laughs) they can be just going deeper in their uh, psychological evolution and exploring different realms of consciousness like that for me feels it's it's good enough to be able to dive deeper with them. Hearing your take on that is really liberating for me. And there's not many examples of women, at least publicly, so thank you, sharing that, well, sometimes it can just be that. And you don't have to be so scared that like, oh, well, they're going to find somebody or I'm, it's just, it is. And it can be this for this one time and maybe more or maybe never again. But I like, I guess my question for you is like, how do you deal with the fear? Because I think sometimes fear more than love leads people to committed relationships that maybe isn't actually best for them. I think I've experienced that. Like, well, the fear of not being with them is really overpowering rather than the love driving the commitment. Happened to me, I get it. Yeah, it's really easy, I think, to happen. Actually, that Shabar experience I described, like of me being so ecstatic for a month or two, and then I came to Japan and saw him again, and there was this expectation that he will do the same to me, but he was, he didn't. He was busy with other students. (laughs) 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 And of course, I had this, damn it, why those students are better than me? (laughs) I want to be the only student. Yeah, right. We all pretend we're the only students. Just <laughs> kind of falling in love with, with the teacher. I definitely had that. Yeah. Yeah. I had to I had to be with those with vulnerability, what to do. I had to cry a little I'm of my girlfriend. Share my feelings. Like that's just part of life. Yeah. But yeah, we are humans and we have attachments and we have like neediness and of course, especially if in a child where you didn't have enough of that, then it's so easy just to like, oh, he's the one, like that's it. So in the end, it's um, also comes down to me, at least to my spiritual practice. If my connection with God is the deepest, it's always there for me. Then I'm safe and I don't really necessarily need, need, need someone. Yeah. yeah. And what I'm hearing in this is that it's worth it to you to open your heart up this much and create these really deep, really intimate experiences with people that you may not have that committed container with. And that's really brave and really vulnerable. Yeah, it's just sometimes you go through high and peaks and sometimes you will fall on your lows. What to do? I mean, I've been practicing extreme sports and sometimes you have the best experience of just over conquering nature and flying with your wingsuit like in the mountains of Italy like so special so beautiful and other times you end up with broken bones <laughs> it sucks but <laughs> it's just part of it to go through that so I kind of treat the same uh BDSM sexual tantric encounters that sometimes you have the highs and sometimes you just have lows and I think it's important to prepare for those just like with uh, extreme sports you better have health insurance so it's <laughs> 
What's the health insurance of of intimacy? You like have a best friend. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my god, you're so right. Yeah. Have best friend, and then you have therapist, and you have some. Community. You have Rena. <laughs> have your meditation practice. You have all kinds of like emotional support practices that you can do, like drawing doodles and somehow like. Yeah. Just finding like more, having more tools, more like safety nets where you can go when you don't feel safe. Yeah, just telling the people in your life that like, you know, I'm pursuing this thing that's bringing me a lot of joy and a lot of meaning and, you know, it could have a flip and I'm I'm happy when you're there to hold me and be with me. Yeah, just like any deep relationship for you. Like I, am, I was just sharing like someone, okay, some like Shabari encounter, which was a day. And I still got that sense of wanting to be the only one. But imagine if you were someone for years that obviously you will have that pain during split up. So of course you need to be prepared for grief and all. But that's just life. What to do? We will die one day. We'll lose everything one day. And then any high can have the potential for low. So escaping vulnerable places, just escaping life. Well, I think that's the most perfect way to wrap it up. I, I mean, I can't imagine anyone listening to this and not wanting to seek you. Oh, not so wanting much. to seek I you I love out. your questions, a lot of depth and curiosity in your questions, which made me so enthusiastic to answer them. There were no superficial questions in your podcast. So thank you so much for doing this show. You're so welcome. <laughs> well, so, I mean, thank you, really. And so... My last, last question to wrap it up is, so clearly everybody listening to this knows you're an expert. I mean, if you, if anybody here gets an opportunity to work with Rena, she has online courses where you work with women to get them in touch with their yoni, in touch with their pleasure. Also, you have an incredible BDSM course for people who are interested in that. You do shibari retreats, which is rope tying and like really practicing the act of surrender and also the devotion of tying and the skill. I'm like, what else am I missing? Um, you do hands-on yoni massages, which are really beautiful, in-depth, sacred experiences. And what's the best way for them to learn more about you? Yeah, Nelson educate men in the same direction because I start to see, well, if I only focus on women and their partners are well, not we need, we need some of them. Yeah, we I was going to ask that. I'll ask that part two. Where do we find them? Yeah. <laughs> where do we I find you and where do we find the guys? We need to create better guys too. Mm. So, you know, educating them on that is important. So I don't open the advertisements board because I don't want to attract wrong men. But I yeah. feel like your podcast is a safe space. To share it because those who listen that far, they are the ones for the right people for this work. So, uh, and where to find me, vulnerabilitycoaching.com is my website where you can read a lot about different offerings online, in person, private, and groups. And my Instagram, arena underscore Trevi, and you can just leave it in show notes. Yeah, and listen to our podcast. Yes, and I started it not long ago, so I'm super excited. It's my new baby, so... Please come link and give it a listen and support my podcast. I will be so appreciated. Yeah, support yourself by listening to the podcast, really. It's called The Happy Place. It's absolutely magnificent. And if you're interested in Tantra, if you're interested in any of these topics that we covered today, it's way more in-depth and centered around those topics, but also accessing happiness through a lot of different areas and like really questioning. And I think to me also pushing the status quo of like, what does it actually mean to create a truly happy life for you um, in the pursuit of that? 
And my last question I usually ask is, where in your life do you still feel like you're too much? And how are you working through that? Actually, uh, these days I'm feeling ready for uh, a serious relationship, which is I'm happy where I am right now, have incredible men around me. But I want to meet the one who will be my partner. And that's where I'm feeling like I'm too much. Like, who is that man who can contain so much of me, so much of me? Like, in this, I, as I go for on, on dates, I'm starting and they ask me more questions. Or do you do this? And I'm like, I'm doing extreme sports and tantra and play parties and this and that. And then, okay, there will be no dates <laughs> again. I'm you can weed so them out much. really quick. But then, yeah, I'm reminding myself, look, the right person will stay. The wrong person will leave. That's all fine. But yeah, sometimes I'm feeling like I'm too much for a serious partnership. So much permission to everyone who is just at the beginning of all of this work and knowing that like you're still there's still parts of you that feel that way. Honestly, it's just so human and really relieving because we're all experiencing that feeling of being too much in some way, even someone who's such an, an expert in this space of really embracing your too muchness and teaching other women how to do it. It's still a spot for you. So I can't wait to celebrate you and your love on a part two podcast, Rena. Thank you so much for being here. Rena and I are going to go get dinner in New York right now. Everybody follow Rena, connect with her. Sending you guys so much love. Thank you for being here.